0: Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will
1: help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Well, hello, welcome to Grace Avenue Church. My lovely wife Janelle and I today are going to uh, be working together on something that we felt we just wanted to share this weekend. You know, um, as, as a church church, um, the best way I can describe it is as pastors who lead a church. You feel like you're always trying to gauge the pulse of the church. So kind of like the way you kind of gauge your kids when they're small and all of a sudden it's like really quiet. and You're like, hang on a minute. What's going on? Where's the Sharpies? Hang on a second. Something's not right here. You you get a feel for your own family. You get a feel for your house. You get a feel... Well, we feel the same way about our church. And, And over the years, the last eight, nine years, you know, you feel when the pulse is where it's at. And as we were praying this week and talking this week, we started thinking about the soul of the church. And what I mean by the soul is, is obviously all of us here have a soul, Uh, but the soul of the church, I would say, is the condition of the soul of the church. And in in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness... I feel like I'm turned away from you guys. Sorry. You are not the people I want to ignore. Sorry. Um, In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're going to be filled He said blessed are those, which means happy. You know, when we're happy, he's saying it's because we've hungered and we've thirsted after the things that are righteous. And and that word righteousness um, means divine approval. It means right standing with God, righteousness. I mean, let's think about it. To be in right standing with God, is there anything more peaceful than that? Is there anything more settling settling in our life than to be at peace with God, knowing we're loved, knowing he loves us, knowing he loves people, knowing he's working in and through even our inconsistent places in life. There's a divine approval there. And so Jesus talked about this. He said, you're going to be happy when you hunger and thirst after a life that's pursuing righteousness, pursuing the right things. The opposite of that would be, you're going to be very unsettled and miserable (laughs) If you're pursuing things that are unrighteous, it will bring about something into your life and it won't leave you happy. It'll leave you depleted. When I look at Rachel's story, that's that's what I see. I see someone who has literally pursued God and you see that that righteousness has taken such a deep root in her life and is now producing fruit in and through her life. That girl's like an evangelist getting half the city into Grace Avenue Church, you know. Changed people, changed people. Rescued people, rescued people. And you're seeing it right here. And so when we started thinking about the soul of the church this week, um, I, I thought about this scripture that uh, we read about in Third John chapter 2, verse 2. It says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Now, let me just stop right there and say, if I were just to read half of that scripture, most of America would say, you know what? That's exactly what I want for my life. I want to prosper in all things, and I want to be healthy. Come on. Amen. That's a pretty good prayer, wouldn't you say? I want a good job. I want to prosper in my job. I want to prosper in my finances. I want to prosper in my marriage. I want to be healthy. I want my kids to be healthy. Like we would all say that the first half of that verse is something that we could all say, God, I will take that. But the next half is what is prayed for us that's just as important to God as the things that we desire. And that's that our soul would prosper. So says, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So what does that mean for us? It means that God's not just trying to pastor or shepherd our successes and our goals and the things that we're after in life. He's trying to pastor our soul. He's trying to minister not just to our bank account, but our soul account. What's going on on the inside? Because the soul is the container of life. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And for us, the soul is is the place where, as Christians, we get to, like David, instruct our soul when it's in low times, how to respond to the situations that we're facing. David said it like this in Psalm 103. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. This is David, a poet, a worshiper, a warrior, a king. This is someone who understood the value of not just war, but worship. He knew how to be a warrior, but he knew how to be a worshiper. Where do you stand in those two? Are you more of a worshiper than you are a warrior? Are you more of a warrior than you are a worshiper? Some of you have taken some serious ground in your life, you have overcome some serious obstacles. You're a warrior. You know it, people around you know it, but are you a worshiper? Some of you are worshipers, but God also made you for war. He made you to fight battles. Proverbs says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. There's a boldness that's supposed to come upon us, not an arrogance, but a boldness in Christ that we can face the things that life brings us and not be defeated by them, but overcome those things. God made you both. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all of your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. Come on, whose life has been redeemed from the pit? He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Steadfast meaning consistent love, right? Not Facebook love. Well, you're friends for one minute, then you're deleted the next. We're talking steadfast love, consistent steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles there's a there's a vibrancy that comes when we instruct our soul to respond to life in the right way come on you want to be younger start instructing your soul you want to sound younger don't want to sound like an old crank 25 years old sound like you're 102 come on now time to instruct your soul See, to instruct our soul requires that our soul is able to adapt to the way God wants us to function. Let me say it like this. My, my daughter, Eden, who is now almost two in a couple of weeks, uh, was two pounds when she was born. So she was in the NICU. She could fit in my hand. She was fighting for her life. And there was this one stage where they were saying... Um, she's not gaining weight so she needs to gain weight and then she did it and they said the next day well she needs to gain weight by tomorrow or it's serious and she did it and then she, then the next day she didn't gain weight and then the next day she stabilized they said if she doesn't gain weight tomorrow we're going to have to put a, a tube into her stomach we're going to have to open up her stomach and actually put a feeding tube in there I mean she fits in my hand you know so what was happening was the nutrients that they were trying to give her her body was not adapting to it it wasn't causing her to gain any weight. Her, her body wasn't stabilized enough to be able to receive the very thing that was actually good for her. Can I tell you that as I pastored people a long time, that happens in church life. People get saved, but you can't get the nutrients in them that they need to not stay at that same level. And so they stay in church for 30 years, but they still stay massively insecure or incredibly jealous or full of uncontrolled rage, or full of bitterness, or really intimidated by anything and everything that may have to do with anything and everything. And it's because their soul has not been fed by God. He's tried to feed, but they haven't adapted to the good shepherd leading their soul so that it can prosper. Is this helping you this morning? So the way that we take care of our soul is twofold. First of all, we have to take responsibility for it. I like to tell our men this, and they know, I, they, they know I've said this, but, but guys, we're, if we're gonna be the spiritual leader of our home and wear that, that title so proudly, it starts with our attitude when we walk in the house. Our kids don't deserve our, our bad day at work, neither does our spouse we got to command our soul in the vehicle on that on, out on the street before we walk in that God has got things under control and not let our families walk around on eggshells around us because they don't know how we're going to react today come on that's what your boys are for that's what God is for amen, amen. all right so the way we take care of our souls we we take responsibility for it we choose to have a prosperous soul And next, we're going to talk about, Janelle's going to talk about how Psalm 23 talks about the Lord being our shepherd, how he instructs our soul.
0: So most of us are familiar with Psalm 23. You've you've heard, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or you've seen it somewhere. It's probably the most famous psalm in the Bible, one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. And um, this is David, King David, writing this psalm, and he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And I just felt like we felt so drawn to this passage as we're talking to you because we're shepherds too. We're your shepherds, we're your pastors. And I wanted to make sure that um, y'all were making this connection that the Lord is your shepherd. And this is why, because I think a lot of times we, we come to the Lord and we encounter him as our savior first, most of the time. Um, he, we encounter him, he forgives us of our sins, he lifts the sin off of us, he pulls our life out of the pit, and we have this, it's an event, our salvation event, that, that moment where we decide that he is going to be the savior um, of our lives. And then if we're not careful, we can kind of leave him in that place where he is the savior, or maybe he provided for you supernaturally once, and you're like, okay, well, he provided for me once, but this is very different, because David could have said, the Lord is my hero, the Lord is a miracle worker, the Lord is the creator of the universe, and all of those things would have been true, but he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he brings the Lord down into an intimate familiar thing because David is a shepherd he brings the Lord down and he's saying basically the Lord is the one that is walking beside me because a shepherd would walk with his sheep a shepherd would eat with his sheep a shepherd would sleep with his sheep the shepherd's life revolved around the sheep his main concern was taking care of that flock healing them, guiding them, nurturing them, protecting them, defending them. That is a sh- what a shepherd lives for. And David was saying, God is my protector. God is my defender. God is my provider. God is my healer. God sleeps with me. God eats with me. God, this is a relationship yeah. <clears throat> that David is saying that we're supposed to have with the Lord. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, the sheep, it's a relationship of trust. The sheep didn't wake up every morning wondering like, oh, what are we going to eat today? Or, um, where are we going to go today? The sheep would just get up and they would just follow their shepherd. Uh, he didn't explain to them what they were doing. He didn't tell them what they were going to do. He would just walk and they would follow. And that is um, a likening of our relationship with the Lord. It's a relationship of trust. It's, it's a relationship where he is in charge and we are following him.
1: That's so good. You know, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He said that. And he said that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is what Jesus does for us. He lays down not just his life physically as he did on the cross, but he lays down his life for us and he wants to lead us. And can I tell you that the the soul of our church, the health of our church is incredibly important. For a lot of people, churches, you come in, you hear a message, you get some life lessons, and then you hit the road for for the week. Which is probably the lowest level of thinking and experiencing God in Christianity. You, maybe you'll get a good principle. Maybe you'll get some positive vibes. Maybe you'll get, you know, I don't know, a paleta on the way out the door. That's all great. But at the end of the day, God desires to shepherd his people, and he can't shepherd resistant sheep. He can't shepherd sheep who continually run and stray. He can't shepherd sheep who don't want to eat what's good. He can't shepherd sheep who wander off into the ditch, who wander off into the places of the mind and wander off into places physically and sexually and spiritually and places that the shepherd didn't lead you to, but that you wandered off into. God desires to shepherd your soul by shepherding your life. This is how God, this is how God shepherded me and growing up in, in, in my twenties and in early thirties probably was probably the most of God peeling back the layers of the onion to just say, I would be like, okay, cool. I'm good. And God's like, nope, we're going to deal with another layer. And I'd be like, all right, that was horribly painful. Now I'm good. Nope, going to deal with another layer. There's another attitude. There's another lie in you. There's another misrepresentation. There's another something. There's another temptation that you're not honest about. There's another thing you're making an excuse for. There's another thing. So Now, he wasn't doing this every day, like a, like beating me like a, like a child he doesn't love. But he was certainly correcting me as a shepherd. Remember, the shepherd has a rod and a staff that guide and comfort. Sometimes it's direct and guide. And sometimes it's like the chancla that you need. It is part of God's shepherding. I say that because it's important because you're in a society where we hear the common cultural value of God loves you. Just do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. Who do you want to marry? Do whatever you want. Where do you want to go? Do whatever you want. God loves you. You can do no wrong. You're God's child. Yes, you're God's child. But what kind of parent doesn't discipline their child? Now, we don't like to hear that. I grew up on that. I grew up on a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of teaching like that. Everything was disciplined. If you looked at somebody wrong, you were getting disciplined for that. But can I tell you, God wants to shepherd your heart and your soul. And he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life. That's his heart's desire for all of us.
0: Yeah, so what we're saying is it takes time, right, to get to know God as a shepherd But he's there wanting to walk out the journey with us, wanting to be in the everyday. You know, this past week, I had three separate experiences where I saw, I I know God. I've been walking with God for 20 years already. And I have, you all know, I've experienced miraculous healing. I've experienced the power of God. But this last week, he just showed me how he's in even the smallest little details, the three different encounters where I thought I was just going about my business, but God showed up and intervened in the middle of it. And I met this girl and talked to her and we had like an encounter. And another time, Daniel and I were at a conference this week and we showed up like a hot mess. Like we were late, we'd been traveling all day. We showed up late. <clears throat> Never been there, didn't know where to park, didn't know where to sit, didn't have our stuff, because usually we have like special seating and stuff, but we forgot it all. So we walked in.
1: So this is what it's like to be some of the Grace Avenue people, Yeah. I
0: guess. <laughs> yeah. So we walked in, completely unfamiliar. And um, it, it was packed. And we we just kind of like didn't know where to go. And we were already late. So we decided like the conference was super long. We'll be back for the next few days. Just made the decision, like we're so tired, let's go. So we go to our car, and we had walked all the way over, but on the way back, there was a golf cart, someone in a golf cart taking us to a car. And this man prophesied over us for about 10 minutes.
1: Read our mail. He man. read
0: our mail. Read our mail. Knew the meanings like, of our like, gains, You're leaving our the means.
1: church, but you're going to get some church <laughs> right know. here in this golf cart. And
0: it was just one of those moments where I was like, the Lord is my shepherd. Like, we got more than we could have gotten if we'd stayed in that service. God had something really important for us us showing up late, the whole thing was part of his plan so so that we would walk out at that exact moment and have that encounter with God. And we had like several things like that happen where I'm just like, okay, God, you're speaking to me. This is what it's like to be shepherded by the Lord. This is what it's like to follow in his leading and have him just drop things. It doesn't even take a lot of effort when you're just seeking to follow the shepherd.
1: And this is important to be open to this stuff as we let God lead us because even the people who were with Jesus, they were like, give us a sign, give us a sign. And Jesus was like, even if you get a sign, you're not going to believe. And so even in our situation, we could be like, oh, well, that was just the guy being nice. Oh, well, that's just, we we discount God's shepherding through people, through situations, through processes, because we're resistant, our soul's resistant to taking that nutrient because we just want to say, I got this. If you've been a survivor all your life, this is probably hard for you because you're used to resisting and saying, man, I got this. I've powered through that. I've powered through this. I've made it through that. I'll be okay. I've got this God. And God's like, no, I've got you. I want to shepherd you. I want to help you. And that is a different level of living and loving God than just receiving salvation. It's a different level of relationship. It's called intimacy. And it's It's something that takes our intentionality. It's not just something that just happens. It's being open and and honest to receive what God has for us. It says he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah.
0: Um, So the next verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I love that word that it says makes because that word literally means like he forces me to lay down, and if you have kids, you know what that's like, right? You know that at bedtime, you are making those children go to bed, and they're gonna go to bed because it's good for them, and they're gonna go to bed because they're having a meltdown, and the, the family will be in crisis if they don't go to bed, right? So <laughs> what happens at our house every night at six o'clock, it's bedtime for Eden Rain, and I'll tell her, Eden, do you wanna go? It's time for night-night, and she'll like yell no, and like run in the other direction, right? Every single night, so I'll have to go and catch her, I grab her bottle walk up the stairs, tears, you know, kicking, screaming, all the way up the stairs. She's not tired. She's not tired. Then by the time we get up to her bedroom door, she, like, takes the bottle, and, like, she gave up, right? That was, like, the whole fight. But... And so I make her go to bed because I know it's time for her to go back to bed. I know how much sleep she needs. I know what will happen tomorrow if she doesn't go to bed. And the Lord is saying he does the same thing with us. He has to make us lie down sometimes. And it says he makes us lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say he makes us lie down in the desert, in the wilderness in a horrible place. It's green pastures. It's a place of abundance. It's a place of provision. But sometimes we fight against that anyway. And he's saying, look, I know what's good for you. I know what you need. And I think this is so critical. Um, to being led by the shepherd because we're so overstimulated, we're so tired, we're too busy, we're stressed and anxious because we're not resting. And if we'll let the good shepherd tell us when it's time to lay down, we will not be struggling with those things as much as we're struggling with them because he has provision for it right? It's green pastures. There's provision for whatever it is that you're going through. When he makes you lay down, when he tells you, it's that whisper, like, go home early from work today. Go be with your family. It's that whisper that says, you have enough. You don't need to work overtime. Just be be satisfied with what you have. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And part of our problem is that we want too much. And sometimes the shepherd is saying, you come and you lay down right here. You have enough. And we ignore it because we want more. We're like, this is good, but I want more. This is good, but I need more. And he's saying, everything you need, you have in me. Lay down now. Take a little nap. And sometimes if he really is your shepherd, if he really is your Lord, and you've been ignoring those little signals to take it easy, to rest, to lie down, he'll make you lie down. He'll come. And I've been in those seasons where he's like, time out. You're in a time out now. You need to go to your room and take a nap. And it feels like Life just kind of stands still for a little while, you know, like the things you're trying to do, they're not working. Like there's nothing you can do. And you know that if you've been following the Lord, you've probably been in just like a holding pattern. And he's saying, I need you to chill out. I need you to rest right now. I need you to look at the provision that I have supplied for you because I'm preparing you for what's next. That's part of the way our shepherd leads us.
1: It says he leads me beside still waters. Still waters are the presence of God. If you think about still water and how peaceful it is on a lake, not raging rapids, but like still water and how peaceful it is, it really changes the game just when you see it. But this is what God is to us. He's that still water and he leads us by that still water. He leads us by the presence of God into the presence of God. And this is why worship is so important. This is why worship as a church is so important. This is why worship as individuals is so important. You know, we're in a generation where uh, people are so information hungry and information heavy that I've heard things over the last 20 years. I've heard this phrase more times than I can count. Oh, I'm not really into the music. I just kind of like the message. The problem with that thinking is that the music is not music. The music is worship. That's the first thing. The second thing is the worship isn't for you. It's for God. And the third thing is, if all you like is the message, then why did you come to church? It was just for you, for what you got, which is exactly how we gear our entire life. I'm not going to that Starbucks, but I'm going to that Starbucks over there because that one's faster than that one because that one serves me faster. I'm taking this job because that one gives me what I want. I'm going with this person because they get... And our whole life, we don't even realize, but we're, we're, we're basically centering our whole life around our total pleasure. Yeah. And as long as we're happy... So how does that work in Christianity when God is trying to shepherd us and we come into what he calls a community, the body of Christ? He never, he never describes us as individuals on some random mysterious journey. All about our plan, he calls us into the body of Christ. He never says that we're cut off from another part of the body. He says we're part of the body, right? If this hand doesn't like that hand too bad, you're still connected, that's how he says to us we are the body of christ and and to shepherd us his goal is that we would learn the value of worship if we don't understand the value of worship corporately in a church setting like this i guarantee you it's it's even harder for you individually to just turn worship on in your car and just be still to be led by the still waters can do wonders for your soul There are some environments that you guys are part of that are so toxic that you're wondering what the remedy is. I'm telling you, that's the remedy. For 30 minutes before you even enter the doors of hell that you have to go work at, this is the place that you need, the still waters of the presence of God, because it'll refresh you. It'll refresh you in a way. So ask yourself this. uh, If you find yourself resisting that for whatever reason, machismo, you're too cool it's not your background, it's not your style, it's not your thing. Look, none of those are, are good enough for the Christian on whether or not God deserves worship. That'd be like my wife saying, you know what, for my birthday, Daniel, I want a trip to Paris, and I want this, and she names off three things, and then I'm like, hey, I got you a number five Whataburger meal for your birthday. Here you go. I mean, I would be like, well, hey, that, that but that's That's what I like, a trip to Paris and all those gifts. That's not really what I want. That's what you want. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm exaggerating, obviously, for stupidity's sake, but you get what I'm saying. A lot of times we're offering God things that we want, but that's not what he's asked. And that bleeds over into everything, serving, tithing, giving, the way we treat people, the way we look at people, the way we interact with people we find all kinds of excuses. All right, it's getting heavy. Let me go back into this. Ask yourself this question. If you resist being led by the still waters, you resist that. Ask yourself, where exactly do you kick against God? Where in your life do you kick against him? Is it money? Is it, is it rest? Is it trust? I'm saying this today for for you to identify so that, that you can take some time to start to allow God to shepherd you in that area. And it's as simple as this. God, you're highlighting that point of my life. You're the good shepherd. You're not mad at me. You don't hate me. You're not angry with me, Lord. You've done so much, Lord. Would you lead me like a good shepherd in this area of my life? I ask God to do that as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend. I'm telling you, I know when I'm not hitting the mark, and God knows when I'm not hitting the mark. And He knows how to bring me beside the still waters. Sometimes it's at home. Janelle will be on her phone, my daughter's on her phone, Eden's watching the television, now I'm on my phone, and I'm kind of like, what the heck is going on here? This is not, this is not life. So I make them all put their phones down and then I walk to my phone. All right. No, we changed the game. (laughs) They can handle it. They can handle it. Rest, still waters, keeps you from burning out. What happens is people get saved, they come into church, and then they start running that same pace of unrestfulness in church life, burn out, not because of church, but because of their lack of discipline. Then they blame the church, then they blame God. It's like, bro, Jesus wants to lead you as a good shepherd beside the still waters. His presence is more important than your busyness. And his presence will lead to effectiveness. I don't just want to be a busy father. I want to be an effective father to my kids. I don't don't want my kids to just see he's just always busy, always running around. Well, they know that. They know dad's busy. Dad's busy. I want to see him effective when they need it. Still waters can help me do that. Last thing it says, he restores my soul.
0: I think um, that's just the first three verses of this psalm. I hope you go and read it and think about it and pray about it this week. But um, he restores my soul. There's so much in that. That's what the shepherd is aiming to do. You know, our souls, our mind, will, our emotions, make up our soul. They come with us wherever we go. We take them with us into every toxic environment, into every uh, disappointment, into every relational failure, into everything. Our souls come with us, right? It's our life force. And um, it's silly to think that our souls can go through so much and not need to be restored. This is David. David knows the Lord. This is not about salvation, this is about a refreshing. You know, that word restore in the psalm, it means to bring back to the point of departure. I think that's so powerful. The Lord is, David is saying the Lord wants to bring your soul back to the point right before it departed from, from the shepherd. Right before you took a turn and the shepherd kept going straight. Right before your mind started running 10,000 steps ahead of the shepherd. The Lord wants to bring you back to that. The Lord wants to refresh you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to restore your soul. Our souls need restoration. That's what lying down in the green pastures will do. That's what the still waters will do. You know, the still waters, if you've ever looked into still waters, you see your your reflection. A lot of times that's what the Lord will show you in those moments of stillness. He'll show you where you really are. Sometimes we don't know where we really are. We don't know why we're doing the things that we're doing. You know, sin is a symptom of a lie we've believed. God is not in those still moments. I think sometimes that's why we avoid those still moments because of shame. We're afraid. We know we haven't been hitting the mark and we don't want to go in that condition to the Lord. But the Lord is not going to show you what you've been doing wrong. The Lord is going to show you why maybe you've gone off track. Why? He's gonna he's gonna ask you, why are you afraid? He's gonna show you the things you're doing there because you're afraid. Why aren't you trusting me here? The things you're doing, it's because you don't trust. That's how the shepherd leads. It's never with condemnation, it's never with accusation. And so that's how our souls are restored. You know, the shepherd that would run his hand all over the sheep looking for ticks, infections, bugs, every single sheep, the shepherd would just run his hands over them um, on a daily basis. And I think that's what that time is like. Just let the Lord just run his hands over your soul. Show you what it is that's going on in there. He can set it straight like that. It doesn't have to be a struggle for the next six months if we'll just go and let the shepherd restore our soul. So
1: good. So good. So, So here's what we want to do. Um, Today, we're trying to pastor the soul of our church. Every week we are, but today specifically and uniquely. So here's what I would love for us to do. I'd love for us to just take the next few minutes and let's just stand up. Stand up and let's let's think about this. Where does God need to shepherd you just individually? Where is it that the Lord wants to highlight? Maybe you heard it while we were speaking. Maybe you heard it during worship. Maybe he wants to shepherd your marriage. Maybe he wants to shepherd the communication in your marriage. Maybe he wants to shepherd areas that you're resisting him in. I mean, I could make a list. I'm, I'm asking you to, to kind of dial in right now. So here's what I would love for us to do. If you could just, just posture your heart in an attitude right now of worship. But worship with expectation. What God is going to shepherd you, heal you, guide you. Come on, everybody out there in life that doesn't know God is looking for a coach, a mentor, a father figure, a leader. You know what we have? We have a shepherd. We have a good shepherd who lays his life down. So this morning, I want to pray for a couple of things. First thing is, is this. It's the place maybe that you're You're resisting. Maybe the place you're resisting God for whatever reason, maybe it's fear, maybe it's a lack of trust, maybe it's, like I said, that survivor mentality. You think, I've got this, but God's wanting to, to have you. And that is another level of trust in God. But it takes intentionality. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.